Everybody, I thank God for you. I'm glad you're here. Um, glad you're in my life. If you're here for the first time, we are delighted that God has brought you. And I want to show you a couple of pictures. Um, this is Roy, and this is Tina. And they were out. Yeah, baby. <laughs> they, they are DMs, difference makers, and they were out serving the Lord on our campus, landscaping, making things beautiful that, so that when cars go by, they know that God is first here and we make things beautiful in his name. This is another friend. This is Jeff. And he put in hours and hours, evening after evening, to work around our garden and make it beautiful. And we're grateful for the difference makers. And maybe you'd love to help with our playground for um, not just children with special needs, but all children um, of every ability to be able to play together. Um, that's going on this week. But people are coming back to public worship. Thank you, Jesus. Um, as a result, we're getting back to where we were in children's ministry. It's just that we need lots of difference makers now um, to serve children in Jesus' name. And Bree that was just out and sung that last song, she directs our students' ministry. We, she needs people to come alongside and be difference makers for middle school students and high school students. And so I'm just going to ask you. Um, maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you're back. Praise the Lord for what's going on in this church and um, in our lives. Um, but if you would like to take it up a notch and begin to serve in Jesus' name, just go to centralwired.com, connect. And if you want to do that right now during my sermon, you won't go to hell. Um, if you fall asleep, you're on the bubble. Um, I thank God for you. You know, over and over again, as I was able to go out and greet you and say either hey from um, six feet or get drawn into a warm embrace, uh, often I would say, God bless you. And I just say it over all of you now, all of you, God bless you. Yeah, I love to say God bless you. I say it a lot. I say it a lot here at church. I say it a lot at Walmart. I say it to people I know. I say it to people I don't know. They find out how weird I am. God bless you. I love to say it. And when I say it, I love to mean it. I want that person on the other side of my God bless you to have an authentic experience of God's blessing. Now, to just be real, um, there was a period of time when I would resist saying God bless you when someone sneezed. You know how that works. Someone sneezed, you say God bless you. But I just felt like, hey, they don't need a God blessing. They need a Kleenex. Yeah, geez. But then I had a young friend and she would sneeze. I'd say nothing and she would go, hello. I sneeze, don't you even care? So I'd be like, okay, God bless you, whatever. But what is the blessing of God? How would you define, if you could put it in words, how would you define God's blessing? Or maybe you wouldn't even know a blessing if it fell out of the sky and hits you in the head. Um, I want you to know, I'm going to keep saying God bless you. I love to say it, but I want you to know when I say it to you, I mean it 
the way Jesus meant it when he spoke it again and again and again. He would use the word blessed, bless, blessing, and the Greek word in the text when he says it is makarios, and makarios means supremely happy. And so when I say, God bless you, as Jesus said, bless, 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 I want you to have a genuine experience of God's supreme happiness. That's what I want to cover your life. And maybe you would say, hey, I'd be supremely happy if I won the lottery. I'd like that one to fall out of the sky and hit me on the head. Or maybe you would say, hey, I'd be supremely happy if Aaron Rodgers stays with the Packers and doesn't go to the Bears as the new quarterback. Or, I'm so weird. Okay, or maybe you're a young lady and you say, hey, I'd be supremely happy if my boyfriend would man up and propose marriage to me. Um, How would you fill in the blank? I would be supremely happy if... Now, before we get wild and crazy with our fantasies, let me give you the Bible fundamentals, the ABCs on the blessing, the supreme happiness of God. A, all blessings, all supreme happiness from God are based on the promises of God. In His Word are thousands of promises, and every single promise carries with it. When you practice the promise, it carries a blessing or even a series blessings. So if in the Bible it does not say that you will win the lottery, then you're probably jack duck out of luck. All the blessings of God, all His supreme goodness is based on you, the experience of His goodness based on you practicing His promises. Promises for your marriage, promises for your money, promises for your emotion, based on His Word. Okay, B, so what we do is, as Christ followers, we build our lives on God's promises in order to receive His blessing. Now, you have a whole horizon of choices on how, what you build your life on. But God is saying, I'm going to deliver every time. You build your marriage on what I promise for marriages. You build your finances on what I promise for finances. You build your emotions and your thinking on what I promise for how you feel and what you think. And all my rich goodness, all my blessings will fall on those areas. But here, catch this. See, ABC, see, Christ promises blessed rewards based on our generosity. Now, this is hugely important to God and to make evident, irrefutably evident, how important this is to God. He has more promises in His Word regarding our finances and our giving and more blessings attached to those promises than any other subject in the Bible, more than, than what you would find on answered prayer, more than what you would find for faith, more than what you would find even for love. Because God knows that when you give to Him generously out of your finances, it is beyond debate you have given Him number one place in your life. Check this out. Boop. God rewards. Now, we got to get this. God is a rewarder. And maybe you say, well, I don't need a reward. He doesn't care. He's going to reward you anyway. Scripture says, (laughs) what does Scripture say? (laughs) Okay. Nothing is possible but by faith. 
It is impossible to please God without faith, and God rewards those. God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him, who seek Him in His Word, who seek His will for their lives, who seek His will for their relationships, who seek His will for their finances. God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So God rewards us when we when our generosity makes him our highest priority. Now, we saw three of these rewards last week. Number one, God promises to be good, richly good to you. And that word good in the Hebrew is tov. And tov means beauty, bounty, the best. That's what God says. I will, when you are generous, I will bring my good my beauty, my bounty, the the best to bear on your life. You can count on it. That's one reward. Secondly, and this is the one that's most precious to me, he promises us that when we are generous to him, he blesses our children. And I will never get done thanking God for how he's blessed my kids. I mean, when I didn't have the money to help my kids. Let's say my older boys, biological sons, go to college. God provided for them miraculously in ways that I never could. I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now my Josh, he has Melody as his wife. They have a beautiful home. They have a lovely daughter and my granddaughter, Emma, my son, Jacob. God gave him his wife, Miriam, and their son, Little David. And she's carrying Jonathan James in her womb. And he's blessed all of those kids and their wives with great jobs and benefits in their jobs. Our babies, our grandbabies, my son Wilkie, adopted from Haiti. He's given her, given him his Marissa. They've been married for eight years. They have a Bella and a Willow, and Wilkie has a Great job. Marissa's going to college. She uh, works here on staff at church. My daughter, Lovia, also adopted uh, from Haiti. has been my daughter for like 13 years. She is married to a wonderful young man named Aaron. And it's just, my, God has just blessed. When I couldn't do it, when I couldn't come alongside and help, God delivered big time. He bl- all I could do is keep being faithful to him. I would never stop giving 10% of my income to the Lord because I knew then that he would bless my children with all the other blessings. But that's number two. Last week, the the third blessing or the third reward for our generosity, we, we learned that God puts his rich goodness on the way we make a living, way we make a paycheck, and the way we make a life. Making a life is all the things in your life that money cannot buy. And making a life is way bigger than making a living. But God blesses both when you are generous to him. That was last week. Here's where we start this week. God rewards our generosity with his happiness. You are happy and happier when you give. Giving people are the happiest people. And everybody knows this except people who are miserable. (laughs) Have you ever noticed the word miserable begins with the word miser? Selfish, greedy, they were in the womb, tight-fisted, and they've never gotten over it. 
but they've never received. I mean, when you live open-hearted and open-handed, not only are you free to be generous, but you are free to receive from God. The Apostle Paul, God breathed on the Apostle Paul, and he wrote these words, always cherish the words, always treasure. I mean, these words are treasures from our Lord Jesus who taught giving brings far greater blessings, supreme happiness than receiving. How many have found that to be true? Yeah, but I'll tell you something. When I was a kid, you couldn't convince me of that. Man, I'd rip off the ribbon, tear off the paper. Whatever went in the box was all about me, 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 mine. And that's because I was immature. Immature people live like this. Generosity is evidence of maturity. And to tell you the truth, your maturity is the lid on your life. If this is your immaturity, this is about where your life's going. If this is your maturity, this is where your life's going. Your maturity, evidenced by your generosity, takes the lid off your life. Um, in fact, well, let me tell you, 30 years ago, I was 19. <laughs> Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, it was Christmas. And it was one of those years when Deb and I didn't have much money to make Christmas special uh, for our boys. And Josh and Jake, adult men now, they were just little guys. I think Josh was 12 and Jake was 9. And they'd take us to the Janesville Mall to a shoe store, and they would show us these really, really super expensive tennis shoes. I mean, I never wore anything but those cheap Converse Chuck Taylors. Um, And I looked at the price tag, and I was like, you're kidding me? I wouldn't pay for any shoe I ever wore, dress, casual, whatever. I'd never pay that much. All the shoes I own never cost that much money. <laughs> I mean, these were like those Air Jordan really expensive types, and the boys wanted them. I said, only if you win a college scholarship. No. So, um, Deb and I wanted the boys to have the best Christmas we could afford so we decided that we would start saving money because it wasn't just one pair, it's two pairs. And we would, we would sacrifice, we would find ways in our lives where we could do without, and we bought, we bought the shoes. And on Christmas morning, it's the same house I live in now, an old farmhouse, they were in the living room opening their presents, and when they ripped off the ribbons and tore away from the paper, took the lid off the box and saw those shoes, they just dropped them right in the floor. They ran into my arms, threw their arms around my neck, and thank you, Dad, thank you, Dad, thank you, Dad. And I'm sure they did the same with their mom, but by then I'm blubbering, man. I'm bawling. They were grateful for what they were given. I was overwhelmed with joy based on what I gave. And I would just do it. I, would, I just knew that, man, I wish I could do more. I would do it again. I would go without again. I'd sacrifice again. I'd save again just for that moment. And you've been there, right? You had someone you loved that you made a sacrifice. You did an act of generosity. You gave them the gift. And it was like you gave them a million dollars. They were just blown away with their gratitude. Well, friends, that's how we get to live on an ongoing basis with our God. For our God has given us his son, the indescribable gift, Jesus, to pay for our sins. 
That this Jesus was willing to battle tenaciously with every temptation, every way you and I have failed miserably, Jesus passed the temptation test with flying colors. It was hard. It was a battle. It was spiritually, mentally, emotionally demanding. But Jesus won every time until he had lived an absolutely perfect life. And every time he faced a hard temptation, he thought of me. He saw your face in the back of his mind because he longed on the cross to impute to you all his beauty and glorious perfection and take upon himself all our ugly, evil imperfections. I I hope you caught that over all these rowdy people down front. But Jesus takes all our ugly, evil imperfections on himself, on the cross, and imputes to us the glory and beauty of his perfection. That's the gift God has given. We could go on and on. At night when my Deb and I pray, I'm just like reciting to God everything I can think of that Jesus accomplished on the cross, that he was made to be my sin, that he was made to be your sin, and I was made right with God, you were made right with God. He was forsaken of God that we might be unconditionally accepted. He he took all my guilt and shame. He paid the penalty of every sin. Everything bad about me was put on him and Everything good about him was put on me and everything wrong with you was put on him and everything right with him was put on you. And so, you know, regularly, whatever your pay period is, I get paid, Ray and I get paid every week. Some of you, maybe it's biweekly. Some of you, maybe it's monthly. Maybe some of you, it's annually. Um, but out of every pay period, now you, you, me, we get to run into the arms of our Heavenly Father with gratitude for the gift of Jesus. We bring Him our humble, modest gifts for the gift He has given us in Jesus. You see, this is how you enjoy a lifestyle of supreme happiness. God loves, so God gives. And our love is evidenced as we are generous in our giving to him. Here's the next reward. God rewards our generosity by enlarging our world. Here's where I get that. The word of God, the Bible says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. If you want your life to shrink down to next to nothing, just stay tight-fisted and stingy all your life. And really, it's mostly about fear. You're afraid that you won't have enough. You're afraid that you won't get what you want. But God says, if you open your heart and you open your hands and you love Your life gets larger. Now, here's what I believe. I believe God makes our lives larger by giving us new, exciting, meaningful, fulfilling, satisfying life experiences that we would never experience otherwise. I believe God makes our lives larger by giving us more people to love and more people who love us. I believe God makes our lives larger by filling us with all the things money cannot buy, like love and joy and peace and patience and on and on, putting his hand of favor. I got to pray with a couple of moms and dads who had little bitty babies. And I thank God that his hand of favor was on that womb, 
Nine months of blessing, all through pregnancy, labor, and delivery. A healthy mom and a healthy baby to the glory, to the glory of God. I mean, it's all the stuff that money cannot buy. God makes our lives larger by making his son, our Lord Jesus, larger in us. Look at the word of God. This is Jesus just getting real. Jesus just getting real says, to those who use well what they are given, who grow their generosity, even more will be given to them, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do or give nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And so the, ours is the God of more. And one of the reasons that we experience the more is by growing our generosity. And growing generosity is really a simple step-by-step process. For instance, if you're kind of newer to church, maybe you've been to church a long time, but you just never give. Or maybe once in a blue moon, uh, you, you give. Well, your next step to grow your generosity, to fight your fear, to defeat the fear, and to grow your faith, and to develop your generosity muscles, is just to draw a line in the sand and say, I am committed to the Lord Jesus. I believe the truth of God's word. I claim his promises. I want to be on the receiving end of his blessings. So out of every pay period, I'm going to give something. Out of every pay period, something. That's growing your generosity. Now, maybe some of you, many of you, I know you do. How could this church have survived when so many did not through this COVID season? Every week, churches sing the last song, pray the last prayer, preach the last sermon, shut the doors. But look how we've thrived. It's been because you've been generous. You've sacrificed. You've sent in the checks or you've made the online giving or done the automatic giving out of your bank account. I mean, there have been times when our giving during COVID was greater than the giving during pre-COVID. God has been at work and you look for the blessing. So here's the deal. You know, maybe you have been giving out of every pay period. Um, the way you grow your generosity is simply to increase your giving. Uh, now, my Deb and I, for the last 40 years, we've practiced giving 10% of our income to the Lord. Sometimes it's been more than that, but never less. And, you know, truthfully, for, for many people, once you grow to 10%, that's all the Lord asks. Sometimes you may decide that we want to give more, but if you're giving out of every pair, pair just keep growing your generosity till you're at that 10% Mark, and just that's why every night I just say, God, thank you. I don't deserve what you've done in my life. I don't deserve the finances you've given us, but please, it's just because you're a promise keeper. Keep keeping your promises. Keep opening up the floodgates of heaven and pouring out more blessing than I have room enough to hold. And he is faithful to it. Look at this. Scripture says, some people give generously and end up with more, while others don't give what they should and end up poor. Now that rhymes. So I think God's doing a rap. Some people give generously and end up with more, while others don't give what they should and end up poor. I don't know why I think of these things when I have no talent at all. 
And now my palms feel like the inside of my mask. Oh, Jiminy. <laughs> okay, I got to knock back off the communion juice or something. But it's a, it's a promise of God. It's, it's a promise that goes both ways. The generous receive more. The, the stingy just end up, they think there's gonna, they're going to have more, more, more by keeping, 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 but they end up without. Okay, next reward. God rewards our generosity by giving us overflow. He goes beyond the more. He goes all the way to overflow. You see, his heart of love overflows for you. And he just wants us to reciprocate. That our hearts of love would overflow for him. Because God is love. And so it is in his nature to give. He just wants to see that we love him. And have a same, similar, responding, reciprocating, giving nature. Let me show you something. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You spell love, G-I-V-E, for God so loved the world he gave. Here's the promise of Jesus, Luke 6, 38, give and you will receive. In fact, check this out, your gift will return to you in full. Don't be afraid. Trust in faith. You're not going to lose anything. Your gift's going to come back to you in full. Check this out. Press down, shaking together to make room for more. Running over. It's overflowing. And poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, the early audience listening to Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. Because they saw it played out every harvest season. I mean, if you were a harvest worker, if you were a field hand in the harvest field, you used a basket like this. And it's a great investment because here's your job. You go to the crop, you fill up your basket with grain, you walk back to the barn or the place of storage and dump it out. Then back to the crop, fill it up, back to the barn, dump it out. Man, but now every trip is longer. By noon, you are worn out. It's like me helping my daughter move to a new apartment yesterday. I was praying for the second coming of Jesus so like maybe you have some lunch, you drink some water, but now when you go back and make that long walk to the crop, you're only filling up maybe three quarters full because your arms are tired, your feet hurt, you, get, you dump it out. Now by late afternoon, 4.30, 5 o'clock, man, you are wiped out. And so now you're only like filling it half full, taking it back, dumping it out. But you don't quit. You don't stop because you know at the end of the day when the last trip is made, here's how you are paid. You get to fill up your basket with all the grain filled to overflowing that you can carry home to your family. And so here's what you do. You start putting grain in your basket, and then you press it down to make room for more, and you just put in more. Then you kind of shake it around to make room for more. You put in more until it's filled to the full and overflowing. That's how God treats you. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, and spilling into your lap. Now, for some of you um, that are newer to church, let me use the example of a Slurpee. Because there are cameras at 7-Eleven and you've been caught on video buying Slurpee. And what you do, you go in and you start to fill up your cup and then you bang the cup on the counter. 
to get, make room for more. More slurpy, kind of shift it around a little. I mean, it's a science to do this. Bang it some more, fill it up, fill it up, shake it, shake it, bang it some more until they have to give you a bubble top because you just got it filled to the full and overflowing. That's what Jesus is talking about. If they had 7-Elevens back in 30 AD, he would have talked about slurpees instead of baskets. Okay. Glory be to God. Glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do more than, more than you would ever dare ask or even dream infinitely beyond, overflowing our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Now, the question comes down, do you believe God? Which wins in your life, your fear or your faith? Can God be trusted? He makes the promises. Every promise has attached to it a, a, a blessing or a series of blessings. Okay, let me give you the last reward for today. God rewards our generosity by meeting all our needs. Now, that's phenomenal. It's like a blank check. We're generous with him, and he meets all our needs. And so, every day I pray this. I pray, dear Lord, meet my financial needs. Open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out more blessing than I have room enough to hold. Meet my emotional needs. Let the joy of the Lord be my strength. Be my living hope. Meet my mental needs. Let me function with the mind of Christ. Let me take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. Help me keep my thoughts set on things above. My relational needs. Lord, grant me success by giving me favor with every single person I meet. My physical needs, Lord, be my vigor, be my strength, be my energy, be my vitality, be my healing. Spiritual needs, Lord, cause me to flourish in the fruits of the Spirit, in the gifts of the Spirit, in the roles of the Spirit, that I might serve well the church you've made me love and have given your life for. He meets all. All our needs, the whole spectrum. Word of God says this. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. And the way he feels about his church is the way I feel about you. I want you to experience the blessing, the supreme happiness that issues from generosity. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeds yours. There's no way you can out-generous God. So here's how you do it. The Apostle Paul writes, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart. In your heart, that's where you pray. That's where you talk to God, and it's where you hear from God. And so you pray to God about your giving, and God talks back about what he wants you to do in your heart. And then you just obey whatever God says, and he takes care of everything. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly with supreme happiness so that in all things at all times you'll have all that you need. My greatest need is for more of Jesus in my life. Your greatest need is for more of Jesus in your life. And one of the things that my brother, my co-laborer Ray and I love is that we know that every gift he and I make to our church Every gift you make reaches out to bring the love of Christ to the black community, the Latino community, to Asian Americans, Native Americans, to the white community in this region. We want to see this region transformed and made into a Christ-like community. 
Because people are desperately in need. They need Jesus. And maybe you've come today needing Jesus. I'd like to pray with you about that. I just wanted to give you God's word. I didn't share anything but God's word. But right now, I'd like to lead you in the presence of Jesus. If you're already a Jesus follower, would you please be praying for the people in the room that are yet to surrender their lives to him? And those of you that are yet to surrender your life to Jesus, um, I'd like to pray with you right now. I'm going to bow my head, close my eyes, and I'm going to pray. You just pray right along with me. The words I pray, you pray with me. Would you bow your heads, please? Our Father in heaven, we're getting a sense that you are a good God. We've heard today that your son Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. You're wonderful, God. And to be real, and you already know, but we haven't always been wonderful. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we surrender our lives to you right now. We surrender our lives to Jesus. Jesus, please come and live in us and let us live in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.